either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back into the screening room. We'll try not to scare you too much. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. And of course, we're going to start with the scary stuff this week. 25 years after the original series of murders in Woodsboro, a new ghost face emerges. And Sidney Prescott must return to uncover the truth. This is Scream. There's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Mom? Where? Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. You said we were gonna finish this. Go finish it, Sydney. Be right back. <laughs> He's dead. It's good, y'all. <laughs> I think that's the general opinion right yeah. now. I haven't really seen too much negativity on this, uh, and it's it's it really is fun. It's fun for horror fans, even if you're not huge fans of this franchise. Uh, and if you're a huge fan of this franchise, then I think you should be giddy. Oh, it's a love it. letter to you. Yeah, this is the fifth in the franchise. It's the first one, of course, since the passing of Wes Craven, who died in 2015. The last uh, Scream was 2011. Uh, so they're back. And it's nice because if you are familiar with the Scream franchise, you know how meta it has been since the very beginning. And if you're familiar with horror movies, then you know how much... Horror movies, the landscape has changed in the last 10 years. And it's, of course, this film is not going to be meta unless it addressed that. And it does. Oh, yeah. Early and often. Of course, it starts with a phone call to right. a pretty girl who's by herself in the house. And instead of, you know, uh, she doesn't really want to talk about trivia from slashers because that's not the kind of movies that she likes. She likes elevated horror. Now, she this- likes... The Babadook. Yeah, and Hereditary and things, which so do we. This is the first time I've heard it called elevated horror. Oh, no. It's, it's, is it? It's usually, I, I usually hear it referred to as art house horror or something like that. But elevated horror, all right, whatever. But yeah, so right away, right from the beginning, like you said, you've got this push and pull between different groups of horror fans. And it only increases as this movie goes along. It really does a, a good job, sort of a, an, a wink, wink, nod to not just fandom, but toxic fandom. And when fans start considering that they, they own these properties and uh, not only the two sides of the, uh, the horror fans can, can somehow go at each other's throats and feel that the other side are not true horror fans. But remember when this was announced that the title was going to be just Scream, there was a lot of hubbub about that, and the movie even works that into this. So yeah. I think it was all pre-planned. I loved it. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so, so clever. And, you know, it's not as if the story itself gets buried underneath of these in-jokes, because it really doesn't. You know, it's a return to Woodsboro. It's mm-hmm. been 25 years since the first murders, and new murders crop up. So you've got, first of all, you've got the the circle of teens who are the, the potential prey right. or predator. Right. And then, of course, they have to bring back 
the legacy characters, sure. and they talk about that. Yeah. Uh, and and and, uh, but th- still, that's what is so much fun to see. It's so much fun to see Neff Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. Right. They they're great, and the film really makes excellent use of them as characters and as actors. Yeah, it does. And the more investment you have in this franchise and in those characters, the more it's going to mean to you. Obviously, because. The characters being back is one thing, but also they do a good job incorporating the history of the franchise into the new story. Yeah. It really helps to know about that history. I mean, as you pointed out, you could certainly still enjoy it, but it's going to help if you understand all the people uh, from the past installments and how they interact because the history of it, the legacy of it really comes into play in this new story. And uh, some of the new um, actors in the cast, Jenna Ortega, first she's of all, so great. she's the one we were talking about in the opening incident who uh, wants, doesn't want to talk about the slashers. She's really good. And she I, really is. I just saw her pop up in a new trailer that actually the, the schlocketeer is going to mention when we check in with him, a new horror movie called X. Yeah, and she's the voice out. of Wednesday Adams uh, in Tim Burton's yeah. animated series Wednesday. Yeah, so she's very good. So she's involved, and then you've got her sister is played by Melissa Barrera, from uh, in the heights she's uh, she's the one real weak spot in this cast yeah she poses yeah. as opposed to acting and to me she was the weak spot in in the heights as well for the same reason i, I kind of agree she does uh look a lot like she's she's posing and then you have jack quaid who i guess a lot of people know from the boys is a show called the boys which we don't watch but the son of Dennis Quaid Obviously. and Meg Ryan. And if, he looks just if like If you Dennis didn't Quaid. know it, my <laughs> Lord, he's got the same smile. He does. It's exactly even, the same. Even though the, he has a beard. And if you didn't have the beard, it would be, oh, my Lord, it would be a doppelganger. <laughs> the, the beard helps hide it a little bit. But some of the times when he smiles, I'm like, that looks exactly like Dennis Quaid. So, yeah, and you've got, um, and then you've got some other young stars that round out the cast that right away are pointing out who should be a suspect. You know, like, oh, you're going down in the basement. Don't say that or, or whatever. And so that adds to the fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely picks up on all of the same themes as the first film. It has, I don't know how many nods, little Easter eggs, if you will, to toward the entire sort of history of horror films. It's just super fun. And the thing that I've brought up every time since we've been talking about this movie, since we saw it, and it's been a lot, I was surprised how bloody it was yeah. and how close up bloody. And it's not like I didn't know this was a scream movie, a slasher movie, a horror movie, but it really brings it. Yeah, well, I mean, the screams have already have always been rated R, and these filmmakers. Yeah, Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette. They made Ready or Not a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. which is very similar to this in that it is a hoot. It is a ton of fun and, and bloody. bloody as hell. Exactly. So, yeah, they bring the same sort of vibe. And you can tell they know what they've got here and they love it, too. That is, I think, I think that's what makes the movie so satisfying is that it's clear from the beginning that these filmmakers, even though they are, you know, they're kind of. Uh, you know, wagging a finger at horror fandom, generally speaking, they clearly are fans of horror films and of this franchise. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about generally speaking. I, I think to a certain when it's taken to a certain extent, uh, because we can all get along as horror fans, right? <laughs> but so often, when you when you get into this argument about well, true horror fans, no, yeah, no, look, no such thing. right? If you like the slashers, God bless you. If you like the elevated horror, good for you. I mean, it's, you like both. Right. We do. Exactly. Because as we've pointed out a lot, what scares you is is so personal. It's just yeah, it's like what, what makes you laugh mm-hmm. when you go on and, and somebody says, oh, that movie's not funny. 
You can't well, argue that. I, I thought it was funny. Right. right. Yeah. It, but if somebody doesn't think it's funny, right. it's like you said, it's just the same thing. If somebody doesn't think something's scary, how do you say, no, it is scary? Right. If and it if, doesn't scare you, it doesn't. And if those A24 elevated horror movies don't scare you, okay. But uh, some of them, they scare me because it, oh, it's yeah. a different type of fear. It and is. so whatever works on you. But yeah, we can all enjoy all of it. And we certainly enjoyed this. And it, it's fun, even if you figure out, it, no matter how quickly you figure out who is uh, doing the ghost facing here. It doesn't matter, I don't think, because no. it's fun. They, it is fun. They know what you're doing. They they try to help you along, you know, <laughs> uh, sometimes giving you clues that are real and sometimes that are not. And the characters have fun with it, too, just as they did in all the other installments. Yep. And from the beginning, go back to the original. This was just a brilliant idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, you remember how it just reset the whole horror franchise. It did. It did. Uh, just another nod to the, to the yeah. genius of Wes Craven. And it's the fact that it's continued to... Have such legs because, if, as you have pointed out, none of them are bad. No, and that's pretty uncommon. By the time you get to the fifth installment right. in a horror franchise, you're like, well, you know, we like to forget a couple of them, but I don't think so. So here's my ranking one, five, two, four, three. That's Ooh, mine. Hot take. Yep. Um, I, you know, I have to, I have to go along with that. So, yeah, I, I think if you're a fan, if you like the horror movies, especially if you like Scream, uh, you're going to have a ton of fun with this. And it's in theaters now all over the place. You can't miss it. Enjoy Scream. Next is a foreign film, definitely one of the favorites to be Oscar nominated and maybe an Oscar winner this year for Best International Film. It's a, a stage actor and director happily married to his playwright wife. Then one day, tragedy strikes. This is called Drive My Car. <laughs> This is from Japanese writer-director Ryusuke Hamaguchi. And if you look over his resume, he's got, he's got a film that's five hours long. He's got a film that's four hours long. This one is just three, so kind of a short <laughs> as far as he's concerned. But he has just become a master at these long-form narratives that don't feel bloated or self-indulgent. I mean, this is just taking this movie specifically, it's just really a master class in rolling out a story that goes in different directions. You think he's telling you one story about this stage actor and his wife and about their complex relationship. And then he's telling a different story because it jumps ahead two years and he accepts a gig directing an adaptation of Chekhov's classic play Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima, Japan. And he likes to work on his plays with long drives in the car. He listens to his uh, actors on tape with uh, the lines and he, and he just works through his head. That's part of his process. Well, once he gets to this festival, he finds out their rules I guess insurance or something, their rules uh, insist that he take a chauffeur during his time there, which he's not wild about because he can't do that process that he likes so much. And that seems very simple, but it really gets complex as he starts directing this play and art starts imitating life and vice versa. And then he finds that one of his actors had long held feelings for his wife. And then he starts opening up and getting closer to his driver, who has a, a, a stoic woman who has a very complex past in her own right. 
And just the places that it goes as it starts to become a story on grief and trauma and getting past the painful times and moving on and not to mention the unending lure of a fine automobile. Hamaguchi is able to make just the slightest of human interaction in a scene just seem like it has such meaning. You know, it reminds me of a lot of films by the Coen brothers where Mm. you know that nothing, you don't want to uh, remove anything from the script. Not one word. And it's very similar here. Even though it is three hours, it it just feels so rich. It's such a rich uh, nature of storytelling. This guy can really just roll it out slowly and it ebbs and flows. Uh, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful film. It, it's not, you know, I mean, it's it's not a comedy. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's heavy. It deals with some heavy, some heavy themes. But in the end, it is hopeful about moving on and getting past the things that have have troubled you in your life. And uh, once again, we talked about the same way we talked about uh, a hero last week. I'd be shocked if this doesn't get nominated for best international feature. Actually, I think right it's now the front runner to win. It's, it's the front yeah. runner to win. Yeah. It's just a beautiful film, and it's out now in wider release. Uh, Japanese film, three hours, but worth every minute. It's called Drive My Car. Next up, we have another latest installment in a franchise that makes a big change this time out. When Van Helsing's mysterious invention, the monstrification ray, goes haywire, Drak and his monster pals are all transformed into humans. Before they drive each other crazy, the heat is on to find a way to switch themselves back before their transformations become permanent. This is Hotel Transylvania Transformania. Who are those guys? It's me, Uncle Griffin. You don't recognize me? I've literally never seen you before. There is a place deep in the Amazon. Only there can the transformations be reversed. Time to go. (laughs) Still human. If we don't fix you guys soon, you'll be like this forever. Being a human is the worst. Mosquito! Hotel Transylvania, Transformania. Boy, that was fun. This is the fourth feature film. There's also a video game. There's a series. Yeah. There's shorts. Quite a franchise. Quite a franchise. I've never understood it. I, I, I cannot understand the uh, success of this, really? this group of I, stories. Yeah, I agree. Boring. I agree. The big change here is this is the first one without Adam Sandler. Right. He's been the voice of Drac since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is no longer a part of the, although you can't get past, I mean, this entire, the cast is crazy. I mean, the vocal talent here is crazy. So Andy Samberg, Selena Gomez, Steve Buscemi, Fran Drescher, Molly Shannon, David Spade, Jim Gaffigan, Keegan-Michael Key, Catherine Hahn, so many. So many, uh, but not Adam Sandler. Although the guy that takes over a Dracula's voice, Brian Hull, he has a lot of Adam Sandler in in his uh, vocal interpretation. Yeah, you're not super likely to miss the the voice. Certainly, I mean, he does a pretty good job at at impersonating Adam Sandler doing Dracula. Yeah, but this is this is strictly, I think, for the kids. To have, it's on Amazon. Just something to put on, maybe while you want them out of your hair. I don't see a lot of adults uh, getting a lot out of this. The the plotting, the humor, it's all pretty weak and, and seems pretty tired after this fourth episode. Now, and you kind of wonder with Adam Sandler out, why they keep going on. But as long as it keeps being popular, I imagine that they will. Yeah, I think you're right. And But it's, it's like you said, it's just tired. It's just tired. Yeah, it seems that way. And that is Hotel Transylvania on Amazon Transformania. Boy, next up is a documentary we've been looking forward to, and it did not disappoint. It's a documentary on folk 
horror, investigating the many ways that we alternately celebrate, conceal, and manipulate our own histories in an attempt to find spiritual resonance in our surroundings. This is called Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, a history of folk horror. Ancient wisdoms, if you like, that have been long repressed and forgotten, rise up again, very often to the consternation of complacent modern man. It's a way of accessing all those layers of meaning, the build-up in a landscape, the build-up in a culture, and the often build-up unofficially. It's a sort of illegitimate culture that has sustained just through sheer force of will of the people, you know, the folk. Folk horror ultimately asks, what if the old ways were right? Well, now here, right here, you're talking about horror fans uh, splitting into camps and people that don't enjoy this type of horror. I get it. We love it, and we've been looking forward to this for quite a while. You especially, and boy, if you are into this type of horror as much as we are, this is another three-hour movie, but I think you're going to love every minute of it. Oh, yeah, I was I was giddy. And I and for a lot of people, they're probably thinking, I'm going to sit for three hours on a documentary about folk horror. Well, if you, if you do, I mean, it repays your patience, because it's not just a, a run-of-the-mill documentary. Yes, there are a lot of talking heads, and, and luckily, there's a lot of clips, lot of clips. and footage mm-hmm. from films. But it's also, it's put together in chapters, so they cover about six different themes, and each chapter has its own sort of creepy opening, spooky look. They, they, you know, you've got these voiceovers of actual folklore, you know, uh, rhymes from different eras. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was put together in a way that was really sort of beguiling. But um, oh, uh, I agree. I, I and I, I just thought I, I was so it is like taking a course. I mean, <laughs> it, I was so happy about everything I learned and everything that they mentioned. I thought it was just great. Yeah, and it covers all the big ones that, that you might think if you're a fan of this type of horror, starting in the 60s with Witchfinder General and then through the 70s with The Wicker Man and then up to today with things like Hereditary Yep, and, and The Witch. And there are so many, it seems to be, it's never quite gone away, but it seems in the last few years, uh, and looking ahead to now to Robert Eggers' latest, or next sure. one, uh, what he's into, that it's making a little comeback. And also the funny thing is even though it's three hours, as you pointed out in your written review, that you still, by the time it's over, think about movies. Well, they didn't talk about this, or they didn't right. mention this, right. or this and this. And it, it causes you, it inspires you to go looking further on your own time. Yeah, and actually, as a bonus, this is on Shudder right now. And if you do watch it and want to go see, they have a ton. They have, clearly, for because they're smart, programmed a ton of full horror <laughs> right now. Yeah. So the three main films, right, The Wicker Man, Witchfinder General, and uh, The Blood on Satan's Claw, they're all playing right now, but you'll also find a ton of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and good stuff. And this is, oh, we haven't even mentioned, the writer-director, you better say it. Keir La Janice, who wrote Women with Chainsaws. I mean, she's she's been a writer for a long time. She writes nonfiction about horror films, and, and she just did a masterful job directing this movie. Yeah, uh, because we've seen some other horror documentaries here lately, so w- with long running times that just are all over the place. And yeah. what are you doing? And structure, just because it's four hours long doesn't mean it really encompasses the the subject with the with the type of scope that you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, but this or, one is, it's really well yes. structured and it's comprehensive. Yeah. It's great. And it, it's entertaining. Yeah, and it doesn't waste time on films that really aren't worthy of study right. that much. Agreed. This hits, hits ones that deserve it and then even 
leave some out that uh, you, you want to go maybe maybe a part two. You never know. <laughs> but this is on Shudder. Yeah, and if you're a fan of folk horror, do not miss Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched on Shudder now. How about another documentary of a totally different subject, the extraordinary untold story of acclaimed New Zealand music label Dawn Raid Entertainment and its two founders, Andy Murnane and Brother D. This is called Dawn Raid. Sachi kept the check. $50,000 video, $20,000 video. They were just young men. It was starting to get a little bit uncontrollable. Guys that we trusted, don't trust anymore. We have a dark part of our heart from what happened. They had their backs against the wall. We're kids from South Auckland. None of these things should be happening for us. But guess what? It happened. A new level of pride in the community. You know, we grew up in this family. We had to prove everyone wrong. It's not often you watch a documentary about sort of the rise and fall of a hip-hop industry, and the first word you think of is delightful. <laughs> but that's what this movie is. It is delightful. It's so fun and it and it hits all the same notes i mean it's these two guys and they come together because of their love of hip-hop and they but they've taken each of them they've taken one class in business at like a technical school in, <laughs> right, New, Zing- right. in New zealand and they've decided that they're going to be entrepreneurs and the truth is they kind of are i mean they start they start um, selling t-shirts mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know they they buy someplace where they can print the t-shirts and then they buy the shop next door and then they buy like a whole block and then they're recording New Zealand hip hop artists, and that's the, what they do. That's the most fascinating is that they're they're from South Auckland, so they're from uh, like the lowest rent area. And what they want to do is show the world how awesome the talent is in the, this Polynesian, primarily the Polynesian community in South Auckland. And it's amazing. It's amazing. But what is so funny, and then is like you see them get success and get money and go across the world, and then come into financial troubles, and then lose their money. You know, it's the same sort of arc that you're used to in things like this but because the two um leads the two men who who started this business together are just so joyous about Mm -hmm. everything yeah you know the whole movie takes on this great sense of humor and it's it's just it's just fun to watch yeah because at the base of it it tells a story and it doesn't matter if you're a big fan of hip-hop i wouldn't call you one no but the fact is you're grabbed by these characters and what they're doing and you know what, to be to be completely honest, I was not familiar with any of these artists or their songs, right. which actually, to is a strange way, was another appeal because it introduces you to some pretty great music, honestly. Yeah, yeah, but it's not one where you think, oh, I don't like, like hip-hop, I won't like it. No, it's, no you're it's, gonna like it, it. Yeah, it's the it's people so charming. and the story, and yeah, and charming indeed, and it's on uh, Prime, Amazon, and it is called Dawn Raid, Delightful. And how about another documentary? This charts the rise and fall of Nelson Algren, a writer whose transgressions, compassion, and thirst for justice pushed him to become a champion of America's underclass and one of the 20th century's most consequential literary voices. It's called Algren. Algren had been banned in some bookstores in Chicago. It's so hard to explain to people who aren't from Chicago. There's a sort of bare-knuckled violence in everything. He captured that. He had this basic American thing of, I don't think people are getting a square deal. I mean, I think he would certainly roll his eyes at today. It's only gotten worse. There was a reality in it that was really gripping. I recognized these people. And here was the guy who was the poet of these people. 
Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us, and she thought, first of all, it's high time there is just to give him back his voice. Very few people, I think, even know who Nelson Algren is. I didn't, and that my degree is in literature. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't so, either. So that that's a fascinating idea. But as a documentary goes, it's a little middle of the road. I mean, it it can't really decide you know, the structure that it wants to take. It's not visually particularly interesting. And so it's good in that it's reminding people of an American literary voice that we may have forgotten. But as a film itself, it's a little bit meh. And it's also very steeped in Chicago. If you have a poll, if you have an interest in that area or or, or maybe from that area sure. of Chicago, it's got a lot of Chicago going on as well. And you can find the entire written review uh, from Rachel at madwolf.com. And this is available on VOD starting this week. It's called Algren. And let's close out with another horror movie. After a job goes wrong, six armed robbers must spend a single night at a deserted safe house. But during the day, their past come back to haunt them. What is real and what is the product of their tormented minds in the world we knew? I should never have done this. Just trying to keep my head above water. Yeah, but we're all trying to do that. Just keeps on getting deeper. I'm all in. It's only money anyway. Hey! Who are you talking to? Something's not right here. This place is haunted. You need to calm down. Get back here! You know you're going to die here, right? Christy Robb wrote this one for us, and I had high hopes for this. First of all, I loved the trailer. I thought it was a great trailer, and I like this concept. Yeah, it's a fun right? concept. Yeah, that You're hiding out for a day. Your heist has gone wrong. It's a bunch of bad people, yeah. and you happen to be hiding out in a haunted house. It's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. And the, she says the performances are great as well. She also loved the premise. The writing is very weak, and it's too bad because, it, you know, you, you finish watching the movie and think, Man, I wish somebody else had made this because yeah. what a great idea. But the, the execution is just not there. Yeah, that there's something in there that just wasn't fully developed, uh, which is unfortunate. But it is a bargain watch on Amazon at just three ninety nine. If you want to give it a give it a run, it is the world we knew, and you can check out uh, Christie's full review at MadWolf.com. And hey, let's head to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. And we're back in the lobby checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for all the latest comings and goings in the studio calendar and whatnot. What's up? Well, I only have one delay for you, and I'll get to that in a minute. But first up, uh, we kind of have the opposite of a delay. You know, since the back half of this month kind of emptied out of the big studio releases, there are two movies that were going to go limited next week that are now both going wide, and that's Universal's romantic western Redeeming Love, and then the fantasy film The King's Daughter. Both will be wide releases next Friday now. We were and, wondering because we were looking ahead, and boy, it looked like a quiet week next week. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, two smaller movies got a big bump, and I'm kind of wondering if that might happen again on the 28th, which is almost completely empty now. Mm. Um, you know, maybe maybe something will get a, a boost in uh, screen count, or maybe, you know, something will get moved up, especially if Scream does well this weekend. I think it will. Yeah, I, th- I think it will, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last year's festival darling horror film, Hellbender, is going to premiere on Shudder on February 25th. 
And then coming to the one delay that we got um, or have for this week, MGM and United Artists have pushed back the release of Joe Wright's Serrano to February 25th. Uh, it looks like it's going to still be a limited release at this time, but I know that's in a lot of in contention for a lot of awards. Yeah. So, you know, that could change drastically over the next month if it keeps racking up the nominations. Yeah, because we saw that a couple of weeks ago and we had it down as that was, we had that down as the big release next week. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> they moved it. Interesting. Okay. And then also on February 25th, um, who wants to see the Foo Fighters battle demonic forces? I, do. I know, I do. <laughs> well, the, they're at the center of a horror comedy called Studio 666, and that's hitting theaters on February 25th, and it looks like it might be a wide release. Yeah, so. definitely looking forward to that. I don't know I don't know when Dave Grohl ever sleeps, but uh, he's cranking out the projects. You know what, though, and that, that's going to be one of those fights where you and I are on either side of the, I'm going to be rooting for Satan, and you're going to be rooting for the Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, remember he played Satan in I the know. Tenacious D movie. Yes, so. Yeah, that's my favorite part of that movie. Uh, <laughs> it's everybody's a terrible favorite movie. part of that movie. <laughs> Pixar's Turning Red is still coming out on March 11th, but it will no longer be in theaters. That's going straight to Disney+. Not doing all that well back in November. Will this be? Do you know it's going to be one of those premium or just all subscribers? Uh, looks like all subscri- all subscribers. Okay. So you know, no no extra fee. I don't know if they're going to play around with that anymore. Mm. Ah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that did that well for anybody, and for a lot of movies, I think yeah. it it wound up tanking the film because nobody paid the extra twenty dollars to see it, and then by the time it's free, people have forgotten about it. Well, another big problem with that, especially with Disney, was I. Specifically thinking back to Mulan, that dropped in like September of 2020, I think. Yeah. And in theaters and with the fee online, but they also made the mistake of announcing at the same time that it would be free on Disney Plus three months later. Yeah. And everyone decided to wait. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I understand. They were just trying to see what would work. I mean, this is uncharted territory here. I do. But uh, I get it if they're learning uh, from mistakes and, and trying something something different. So we'll see. Also on March 11th on Netflix, will be a um, we're getting a time travel film called The Adam Project, and that's kind of a free guy reunion between Ryan Reynolds and Sean Levy. But it also stars Zoe Saldana, Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo, and Catherine Keener. So that's a wow. nice lineup, right that there. Is. <laughs> Catherine Keener. Yeah. And then a week later on March 18th is the theatrical release of Ty West first movie in six years it's called x it stars britney snow mia goff kid cuddy martin henderson and jenna ortega and it was produced by a24 okay yeah. that'll turn out well. we were checking out the trailer this week the trailer looks amazing it does and jenna ortega of course is one of she's so great in the new screen she really is yeah. yes she is and then last two things i have for you have nothing to do with dates they have to do with lawsuits <laughs> Ooh. um Two lawsuits, two big lawsuits have been resolved of late. The first is the Friday the 13th lawsuit. The appeal, the previous verdict was held up, so the rights for Friday the 13th are still split between Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller, which means that at this point, if we're ever going to see another Jason Voorhees movie, those two are going to have to set aside their differences and come together to make it together. Mm -hmm. Who knows how long that'll take. (laughs) But on the flip side, the Thomas Brothers, who wrote the original script for Predator, sued Disney earlier this year, you know, post-merger, because they want a bigger cut of the pie going forward on all future sequels and expansions and whatever. 
that lawsuit is over. They settled with Disney. They've got their new financial arrangement worked out. So smooth sailing on that one, just not on Friday the 13th. <laughs> I love it when at least two parties come together. <laughs> yeah. Find some peace. <laughs> over a predator. Right, right. <laughs> all right. Well, you can always catch up on those stories and more, all the latest stuff with Daniel on the social medias at The Schlocketeer. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, looking ahead to next week. Well, it was going to be Cyrano, but now it's not. Right. (laughs) (laughs) According to Daniel. So we'll move right along uh, with Munich, the edge of war. The pink cloud. That's a nutty one. Watched that last night, and that's going to be interesting to talk about. Also, mouthful of air. A great old man's night. Uh, Where the elephants go to die. A shot through the wall. Unsilenced. And stop Zamilia. Okay. We'll see what all those are about. Uh, but this week, all about Scream. So by all means, let us know what you thought. You can keep the conversation going. We love it. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on Twitter. Also Mad Wolf Columbus on Instagram and Facebook. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews as well as our other horror movie only podcasts. Been talking a lot about horror movies this week, and that's good. And we always do over on our other podcast called Fright Club. And you can find all that there at madwolf.com. So until next week, happy screaming, and let us know what you thought, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Do you like scary movies?